I think we need to find a new hobby. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Broken Art Podcast. My name is Adam, your co-host. My name is Callie Medley, your other co-host. The Broken Art Podcast is where we talk about all things musicals, theaters, musics and the performing arts everything else in between and with our amateur expertise how's your week uh good i worked and i guess i did do something fun and i went camping yay which you had the absolute cutest instagram post oh my gosh go follow (laughs) Callie medley at Callie Medley. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh shoot, I'm going to plug your social media and I don't even know what it is. Oh my God. It was adorable. Thank yes, you. Awesome. Yeah, it was fantastic. We went to this place a little bit north upstate. Um, mm-hmm. Upstate meaning like an hour and a half away from the city. Like, I don't know what constitutes the city of New York. But yeah. basically, anything out of New York, out of like Manhattan and the Bronx is upstate for me. So, <laughs> um, but it was this place called Lake Minnewaska and it was very beautiful. Um, lots of pretty tree colors, lots of, you know, forests and ponds. We saw a wedding happen <gasps> right oh at the base of a waterfall yeah no yeah and uh i i didn't realize it at first but so we were like walking along the rocks and i was trying to get as close as i could to the base of this waterfall and mm-hmm. i finally get to a place where like i like that's kind of like it um i sit down and then i look over and i see these this beautiful small wedding happening mm. right in front of me but then i see like the i'm like i see the the groom and the bride i see their direct profiles like i am in the middle of their profiles i see the, the officiator and i see all of a sudden like the wedding photographer's lens just like come and i'm like i'm gonna be in every single <laughs> one of these people's <laughs> wedding lens. i'm gonna be the infamous blur on their mantle. <laughs> uh, we'll fix it in post. We'll fix it. Oh, God. oh my gosh, that's so funny. I thought the direction you were going to go with that was, oh yeah, and I got out of the waterfall and suddenly I was in the middle of the small wedding. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I pop up right in between the bride and the groom. <laughs> but I like the fact that you're in the background like, yeah i'm just like my i'm hugging my knees and like oh look at this wedding and meanwhile the photographer is like get out of there you're in the shot you know you're gonna cost them like another like 50 70 bucks for you having to edit you out well i was supportive in other ways i clapped oh did you yeah like we we sat there and watched like the kiss and everything and oh it was very sweet it was very sweet I did not, I I will not give them $50, though. (laughs) (laughs) If they can find you. They have to find you. They have to listen to the podcast and prove that they're subscribed, and then I will give them $50. (laughs) Hi, uh, this is um, John, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, Were you at my wedding? (laughs) This week was fine. Um, A lot of grading 
choir videos and stuff. It's hard when you don't get like direct feedback from the kids. So I've, this week, I'm going to have to listen to like over a hundred, 150 videos of kids singing um, and then providing feedback, wow. giving a grade. And then if they fix it, you know, maybe redoing it and stuff and all of these things. And so it's really hard to keep track of. I mean, it's a lot, but uh, like once, twice, I think twice a day, uh, we meet with uh, the choirs and stuff. And oh my gosh, it's the highlight. I, I just love seeing the kids and they're so, they're, they're just, they just want to be part of a community again, so badly. And they all have this like fun little weird, like choir kid energy that we bring like, oh, we get to sing. And I get to say stuff like, even though they're all muted, I'm like, wow, you sound great. Just watch out for your all-vowel right over here. Mm -hmm. You know, because you kind of have to think to yourself of like, what would be some common mistakes in this part? Like, mm. oh, um, is there going to be a vowel problem on that ah um, sound? Or is that interval going to be hard? Or is that a weird chromatic sequence? Like, you have to be thinking of those things we so have to like go back in your knowledge of like these yeah. common mistakes and think about all of these uh, things um it's helped me in a lot of ways to be a, a doctor almost not like a doctor doctor but like someone who can give a prognosis real quick and then figure it out i'm having experience talking in front of ensemble members and i can diagnose what could be going wrong yeah in this place you know and then there's a lot of things like if you ask a question a lot of kids may be uncomfortable like unmuting themselves mm -hmm. um so then i'm like okay uh one two or three was it to this to that or whatever or what note was higher the first one or the second one or if they're not even comfortable having their video on then the chat feature is very important so also trying to figure out ways to engage the students, even when they've mute, muted and put their cameras off, you know. Interesting. But don't you ever fear that when they do that, they're just like playing video games? Um, yes. <laughs> um, my, my absolute favorite choir to work with is the 10th grade choir. Oh my gosh. For those of you who don't know me, I love underclassmen. I just think they're so great. I, I just love underclassmen so much. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that some of the tenor bases that come, they don't, like, a, a good portion of them have their cameras and mics off, and I'll ask a question, and then I'll wait, like, a couple seconds, then I'll ask it again, and then they'll unmute themselves, like, oh, sorry, can you repeat that again? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And you're sporting some new funky glasses. Yeah, so... Two, three weeks ago, I was um, working um, on some stuff and the band director at the school walks by and he's wearing these like cool glasses I've never seen him wear before. I was like, oh, I didn't know you wear glasses. Are those new, they look so nice. He was like, well, actually these are blue light blocking glasses. Wow. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's interesting. So I go home and I'm playing video games for like, two hours afterwards and like my eyes are hurting I'm like what's going on and so I I texted him I was like hey can you send me a link of um, 
these glasses that you got. So I got these glasses and they've changed so many things. I don't get as many headaches anymore. Um, so that's why I'm wearing them right now because I'm looking at a computer screen and you give off a lot of blue light, Callie. There, I said it. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. Oh. Uh, cut me to the quick. Well, speaking of children. Um... Children. <laughs> Good transition. Good I'm transition. I'm really bad at the transitions. <laughs> You're so good at them. Um, uh, and speaking of uh, school children, nope, it's not going in a You good want place. me to try it? You I want do. Me to yeah, okay. I would prefer that, yes. Uh, but you see, there's this fun thing about get, just getting all these choir kids to get shut <laughs> off. I wasn't going to edit it out. I wasn't you, gonna, <laughs> no, you didn't have to try. Go back and pretend that <laughs> <laughs> the jig is up. The, the jig, jig is, is up. up. Oh my gosh, we're not authentic. <laughs> How did they know? Now they know we don't do this all in one take. Oh my gosh. Um, oh. Okay, so okay, theater kids. Let's talk about. Let's, let's talk about it. When you think of a theater kid, I think everyone can think about of their high school days or college days or even like maybe into the professional world. And when you think of theater kids, you think of a very specific type of person and people. Um, my, my job, I work with theater kids. It was my first job out of college, uh, out of high school. Um, I've done it for six years. Um, I... I love working with theater kids. I really, really do. But I think it's, I think it'd be very interesting to kind of talk about what exactly we perceive a theater kid to be, like our experience of being a theater kid, why they get such a bad rap, and kind of like these inner dynamics that a lot of people on the outside may not see, you know, a lot with like um, cliques and egos mm -hmm. and uh, toxic environments. Um, there's so much to talk about right there. So, Kate, Kelly, can you describe to me what a theater kid oh, is? Oh, boy. Oh. oh, oh, I don't know if this is a good one for me. No, I, I am a theater kid. I am a theater kid. You are, you're still currently a theater kid. Okay. Yeah, I'm just. I a, like that thinking. I'm a bigger version of a theater kid. Um, usually when I think of theater kid, the term, you know, like you said, very specific kind of person. And mm -hmm. I think, unfortunately, it's often accompanied with a very negative connotation. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. there, like when you just hear the term, you instantly think hyper loud, mm -hmm. like rambunctious, annoying which all yeah, sure. can be true. Which all can be true. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Don't get me. Oh my gosh. Um, but I think there really is kind of like this whole subculture within theater. Um, I think for me and my own personal experience, uh, I discovered theater at a very young age um, and I kind of got into it through singing and through singing programs um, and through youth community programs that we had. And A, it was an amazing way to meet people. Yes. Um, and B, 
as someone as a young little child who is running mm-hmm. around trying to figure out what group she belongs in and not really like I always kind of hopped around even all through high school I kind of always still had seeds and in, in multiple clicks I guess you would say um, but however theater was so non-judgmental and was so open and it's just accepting Mm-hmm. Um, that I would always come back to it. And those were always kind of my people, my rocks that I would, I would hold on to. Um, and just the, I, I maintained, you know, um, <clears throat> I've always said through and through that theater people are the most supportive, the most generous people, like the kindest people that you will ever meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I really do believe that, um, I think with anything, it can be taken advantage of in certain ways. Um, And there are outliers. But I think if you're looking at a collective, eclectic group of people, like theater, there's just so much selflessness and generosity. And that's Mm -hmm. the energy that I really am attracted to. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of my general outlook, kind of my, my general outtake. What is your experience in your general outtake of being a theater kid um so you said that you are a theater kid i often say the joke that i'm a reformed theater kid (laughs) (laughs) um just for the fact that i uh teach uh, theater kids and i teach theater um, a majority of the year a good part of the year it's it's such a specific personality, but it's not at the same time. Mm. Um, I think being a theater kid is actually talking about a very specific kind of kid in theater. Yeah. And this is something that, that. this is something we can get into later, um, which I'm I'm super excited to talk about. But since you talked about uh, your experience and stuff, I didn't get into uh, really theater stuff until I was a sophomore in high school. Um, when I moved to North Dakota, when I was a wee little lad, when I was a wee little lad, right before sixth grade, um, I was lost. I didn't know anybody. Um, everyone's getting into middle school for the first time. I'm brand new. Um, mm-hmm. There was five or so elementary schools that fed into my middle school so it was kind of big so all these people so I kind of knew each other and stuff and it wasn't until I started doing a summer theater program um, that following summer so the summer going into seventh grade that I finally found I felt like I found a group of friends because I was like an orchestra kid but like (laughs) the orchestra kid personality is very different from theater (laughs) Uh, they're on two very different ends of the spectrum. And so even though I didn't actually participate in full-length productions until I was a sophomore, um, I did the summer program and that's where all my friends were. And then the friends I made in that program were friends that I had during the year and it just kind of grew and grew. And like you were saying, it's such a great accepting community. And I think it's so accepting because the th- Theater in itself is so accepting. Mm-hmm. The people that it draws, it's a necessity that there's so much social diversity 
oh in my there. Gosh, yes. There's so much social diversity. Now, we also want to be very, very careful that on the opposite side of that, sometimes theater communities gatekeep. Mm. It's very closed and it's this mm. very, I don't know, there was this SNL skit with um, Will Ferrell and uh, he's like the <laughs> casting director or whatever yeah. and all these kids, um, all these adults playing like high schoolers are like talking about getting into the play and the show and everything. And that's like an extreme case of it, but it was never mm -hmm. my experience, but I've seen it. Mm -hmm. I've seen it. I'm like, okay, that's an actual thing. And that's what's projected the most in media, I think, just because it's so like dramatic and outlandish, like, oh, this is what we expect theater people oh, to do. Gosh. One of my dear friends, he is uh, a fantastic actor, great, great singer. Um, is now teaching. He wasn't, he was like nothing like a theater kid. He was a sports guy through and through. When you ask him his main passion, his main passion's like sports for crying out loud. So that gets back to the idea of like theater in itself is an accepting community. It's a accepting institution, yeah. which therefore makes the people in it more accepting. Yeah, absolutely. I I loved um I loved it for that reason, like you said, the social diversity. Um and I just I have very fond memories of all these people that I would have never mm. either had uh, you know, the courage to talk to or or I just never thought that we would maybe click. And mm -hmm. it's it kind of, like you said, it like breaks down everyone's walls and it's mm -hmm. just a big group of misfits. And that's yeah. what I love about it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the whole stereotype of the very, you know, extra and very, like the perfect, like, I, I need to know my lines. Like I am taking this very seriously. I've been practicing for the role of Christine Daae for five years. <laughs> You're 14. If I have a <laughs> 14, <laughs> you are 14. I know the entire show. <laughs> I can sing all the parts of notes. I can sing every part. Point which at is, me and I can sing a part. Which is great for you. Um, we I love think, to see it. We love I think it. those people um, uh, in a school setting have a great work ethic, you know, mm -hmm. you know are fun, fun to work with um, as long as they're not a pain and not entitled. Um, I think <laughs> being in the community, I think those are the people that you make fun of the most <laughs> and, oh not the, and not the people, but just like the, the cliche of how ridiculous people can get because you do actually see it. Right. And you do yeah. see it. One of the best philosophies of theater education was that, um, to have a good theater program and to have a healthy theater program and what the goal of a theater program should be is to maximize student involvement. Mm. To maximize student involvement. Because like we were saying before, we have all these people with different walks of life coming in to here. And it's not just theater kids on the stage, right? You just don't have theater kids on the stage. You have theater kids running the sound booth, the tech booth, uh, makeup artists, uh, helping out with costumes, all of these things. And there's that home there. 
And that's not to say that they couldn't find a home anywhere else, because like I said, a lot of these people were also like, maybe they didn't do anything. Maybe they're also sports players. Maybe they're also part of all the honor societies, you know? Maybe they're in different music ensembles as well. But you get them all together, and this is a place where so much diversity is accepted. Because I think, at least for me, I didn't really find a community until I found a community of diversity. You know, I didn't fit into any mold. So I found this community where you didn't have to have a mold. And, and here's the thing, even if you do have a mold, there's still room for you. So I think it's a very tricky path going from, here it is, everyone's accepted, let's express ourselves in this art form that we love versus I've been shunned and hurt by so many different other communities. Let me, let me express myself here. Let me be over the top. Let me be all of this and all of that. And I don't think you can put a label in being like, oh, this person's very over the top and flamboyant and all these very dramatic. They must have had this life experience. I don't think you can say that about any um, any type of theater kid, but the idea of perpetuating a certain type of personality, I just think that's the kind of personality that's fostered in a place where emotion and passion and dramaticism is supported. Right, that mm -hmm. is the craft. Mm -hmm. And I talk about this uh, quite frequently um, with some close friends of mine, it, it, being a kid in school is hard. It's, uh -huh. hard. it's hard and it's awkward and mm -hmm. you're trying to find out who you are and you're trying to find out who your friends are and you're starting to notice all of these social classes and like all of these different things and it's all very confusing I mean there's so much and then you have homework right like, <laughs> you know, all this stuff just piled up theater was a place where that that inner whatever it is I don't know how to explain it but mm -hmm. whatever whatever needs to be let out in order for you to become a more open and free individual at that age is so mm -hmm. vital oh and, my gosh mm -hmm. yeah and like being in a place where you can get comfortable enough to get on a stage and to present yourself in circumstances that are maybe not your own can be thrilling can be exciting can be terrifying but to be able to go to those places as a human being in a time where you're just trying to figure out and you're like, I don't know if I'm cool. I don't, mm -hmm. it's like all barriers down. You don't yes. have to be cool. You know, this is what is encouraged. And we want you to like be this bright shining thing. And it, it, mm -hmm. It unlocks something in students, I think. And yeah, when you were talking, it made me think of two things. I'm sure I've brought this up on an episode before, but um, my uh, dear friend, uh, dear friend, and dear mentor of mine, when I was 
starting off in the world of like fine arts education and teaching theater and teaching choir. And he, he told me, this is something that his mentor told him, is that when you're teaching theater, you're not teaching in the high school or middle school level, you're not like teaching like, ah, here's the Alexander technique or here's the, mm-hmm. what's, what's really going on in the mind right now. No, you're teaching confidence. And that mm-hmm. completely switched my mindset on how I approach things. Like you're teaching these kids because if you're a high school theater teacher, fine arts teacher, what have you, a majority, I want to say like 90 to 90 seven, eight percent of the students that you'll have in any given year will not go into the fine arts. They mm-hmm. won't. They'll go and like actually make something of themselves. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm ki- I said that to you because I was thinking, Weeping. Uh, <laughs> like uh, doctors, accountants, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. but how do you feed to all of that? How do you make theater the most inclusive thing possible? What's the one thing that people are most afraid of in America? One of the top 10 things, public speaking, Mm. right? Theater, I think at the core of me as a theater educator is that whoever walks into my room, if they don't say anything on the first day, if they don't volunteer to do anything, I think it's growth if they say two things at the end of my time with them that they can feel comfortable enough obviously that's a gross understatement because hopefully i can make them say more than that (laughs) um that they slowly start volunteering for things right that they are growing into themselves and they're breaking down those very uh barriers like i was a very orchestra kid i'm not <laughs> not dogging on orchestras you know i was a very orchestra kid and i was very shy i was very timid i was very self-conscious um i didn't really know who i was i know i liked music i like knew i liked the music i was playing but when i started doing theater and started building that confidence to express yourself like when you get to that inner like middle part of you then you can express it i remember my second year of teaching theater there was this one kid who was very 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 shy oh my goodness very 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 shy he didn't have hand to god he didn't have any friends coming into he maybe had one and this was a room of near 150 some middle schoolers right by the end of that year he had a solo act at our ending performance and all of the kids are watching it. We're clapping for him like crazy and cheering him on. It, even now it's like, it almost brings me to tears. And then we got a note from his mother telling us how important it was and how much of an impact on his life as because theater gave him a home and a place to express himself and let him make mistakes and let him be as weird or as tame or as expressive, expressive as he wanted to. And I think that's the thing that people don't see. People only see mm-hmm. the finished product and people see the day-to-day dramatic theater kids. Mm-hmm. How much of a change do people actually notice mm-hmm. in that change? I, oh my gosh. Uh, I, I, I also have this philosophy um, that so when we're young 
we're toddlers and we're just playing on a playground, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're making up all these stories and we're making them make believe and we're playing games and and we're improving on the spot, really. Right? Mm-hmm. So much like young creativity flowing through us, play dress up, play whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's totally accepted at that age. And then as soon as we are put into public schools, uh, you know, it's always like, all right, this is how things are. You're going to mm-hmm. like stay still, like sit up straight, raise your hand, don't talk when I'm talking, um, which is, you know, great for general respect of, you know, being a human being in this, mm-hmm. in this uh, civilization. <laughs> However, I feel like it really kind of is a tragedy for that imagination and for that spark of create creativity right Mm -hmm. i think as soon as we are put into those situations and put in uh schooling or like institutions that are are you know we are teaching our children to be an adult (laughs) Mm -hmm. and whatever that means right so why why even have this social this uh this classification of of uh, being an adult or and that being the goal, I think theater um, allows us to go back and tap into that creativity mm-hmm. uh, and open up that can right that we that we have been that we have been pressed into. Yeah, um, yeah, and and so I think I, I think that's one of the reasons why your typical quote-unquote theater kid can be seen as oh gosh they're so annoying because they're just like Mm -hmm. so like loud and whatever I think it's just so exuberant like it's so exciting that they have found that again and Mm -hmm. it will calm down hopefully with (laughs) it will calm down it's like it's like the pressure has been building up and now it's being released and it's really saturated but it's yes disperses into the air you know I am a theater kid, but I am not a theater kid. You know what I mean? Right. Like like we were saying before, being the theater kid that we're talking about is not who truly what theater kids are. Mm-hmm. Theater kids, what it's meant to me is this uh, diverse community who goes on a stage and puts on a show. Like you can have hundreds of different personalities there you Mm -hmm. often do and the magic of it is like okay how do i get all these theater kids how do i get all these kids from these different walks of life how do i get these 60 some kids to put on a two two and a half hour production like think think about how magic that is Mm -hmm. like just just take a second to be like there is maybe anywhere from one to two to three to four people on a directing team versus these 60 some kids. And the magic of it is that they get to, they get to a place where no one knows their lines. No one knows what's going on. Um, all of your tab dancers are kind of, are kind of stiff and your chorus isn't really a chorus. It's 70, it's 60 altos four sopranos and a half of a bass, you know? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? This is going to sound like garbage. But then 
weeks later, you're able to put something up that everyone can be proud of, not because of what it is, but from where you were at. Mm. That's, that's the thing. It's the progress mm. that you go from day one to opening night. Mm -hmm. People only see the hundreds and hundreds of people that will go to a show will only see one performance. And if it's a, a public school show where it's a limited run, maybe a weekend, a week, who knows, then that's the only time that they see it. But look at the two, three months beforehand. This is only five, three to four to five percent of what it means to be a theater kid in this position. All of it ever is, is progress and growth, you know? Yeah. That we can celebrate the progress. You know, what What fun would it be to have all these parents who put their kids in these programs and have them come to a, the first run through of an act? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. They would be like, I paid, you know, this activity fee to have my kid in this. What the heck? This is a waste of money. This is a waste of time. And then have them come back a couple weeks later or even a week and a half later and see how much progress and see the confidence at work on stage. I think there's a lot to be said about the educational philosophy that kids and students learn through play, right? Mm -hmm. That they learn by being hands-on with the environment and having fun and learning should be fun, right? Mm -hmm. But I can't think of really anything else besides these fine arts that teach inherent empathy and self-reflection uh, and self-expression and self-expression yeah. that there's so much personal growth that is so internal and so felt that someone can pop up and was like oh this guy's a theater kid what the heck look at where they were look at the progress this kid maybe didn't have a lot of friends very shut in and maybe listen to that wicked soundtrack for like an hour before bed each night because it was a dirty little secret because mm -hmm. everyone else was listening to the Lady Gagas and the Beyonce's and everything, mm -hmm. which I love. I'm not talking about Lady Gaga and Beyonce. They're <laughs> my playlists. But the fact that they're growing into themselves and being comfortable with themselves. Yeah, it's huge. Doing a show and being a theater kid is like doing the same thing. People are only seeing the quote-unquote finished product they never see the growth that happens how much growth happens there oh my gosh so <laughs> we're going back and forth saying that we need to delete some stuff edit some stuff because there's just so many different perspectives that this is that this issue bleeds into right yeah the idea mm -hmm. of theater kid and creating um a toxic environment and what that means and everything like that mm -hmm. um i think the bottom line for me is that philosophy when we're just we just want to talk about theater kids specifically and and the cliche of theater kids i think for me specifically um that theater kid personality is that saturation like that analogy that i used before it's just that saturation of all that pent-up creativity that us as a human race um have been deprived of 
through uh, mm-hmm. growing up and what we are teaching our kids. And I think theater allows a place for us to get back, like just let it out, let it mm-hmm. out, and and show the world who we are and who each other are, and mm-hmm. in the most unforgiving ways. And I think I think it's very. Um, important and philosophical for these kids to understand that and to feel like they have the liberty to show themselves like that. Um, And I think it's important to protect that for our kids Um, and just understand that, you know, it's, it's because they love it and it's because Mm -hmm. they have compassion in their hearts and it, it's, just try to be patient with them try to understand where they're coming from because they're gonna go through like so many and some people never grow out of it like me sitting here today oh my god right but um but it's 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 a cliche that um sadly shows itself in a lot of ways but i think instead of putting a negative con uh connotation over it um if we just understand that they are just letting their light shine as bright as possible even though they don't know what it means yet and they don't know what reflection you know is theirs they're trying it all out and i think Mm -hmm. that's really what is brave and courageous and inspiring Mm -hmm. um so i think we can all take something from that Oh, totally. Um, uh, my my little stamp on here as we close this love letter to who we were and maybe still are um, as theater kids. You know, I, I think this whole discussion made me realize that I may I necessarily maybe don't believe that there is such thing as a theater kid. I think there are kids who do theater. Mm. And because of that, they form a theater community. Um, There are large personalities that are the stereotypical theater kid, but that's only a sect of people. Right. Yeah. It's like different. Like it's, it's Mm -hmm. so like we were talking about earlier, there's so many subcategories of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's only a very specific type of people. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You also have the, uh, Oh, hi, I'm, I'm here now, and then I have football practice tomorrow, you know? This is just another activity, and that's fine, because you cater to everybody in theater education. You just want to get as many people in there because you believe, I'm going back to the teacher hat for a hot second, mm-hmm. you believe that this is a place where kids can learn confidence, that they can learn empathy, that they can learn self-expression. You can have as many theater kids as you want in your theater program, but you should also try to have all the, all the nerds, all the jocks, all the straight A students, all the high flyers, low flyers. You should strive to have all those people in there because you believe more than anything else that this profession is stupidly good at teaching empathy, confidence, and self-expression. I love it. So in later episodes we'll get into toxicity and elitism and everything like that because that is a big discussion that we just probably wasted an hour of recording (laughs) yeah we 
like <laughs> there were some things that Kelly and I had to be like, mm, we need to slow our roll a little bit here because we were getting heated. I was getting heated. I was <laughs> there was like a 20, there was like a 15, 20 minute segment that I had to segment. Oh my gosh, segment? Yeah. Segment that we had to cut because like, wow, I am projecting a lot right now. Right. I was right. projecting a lot of feelings. Um, so there's just so much to talk about, please. And um, when you review us and give us five stars, if you'd be so kind, leave a comment about like your experience as a theater kid, you know, what your opinions are about theater kids, anything at all. We love this conversation. That's why we spent near two hours talking about yes. it. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's the reason why we do this podcast. You know, we want to mm -hmm. We want to bring our own community together, right? Mm -hmm. And so we would love to uh, hear how theater has impacted you or just, you know, memories or anything like that. Uh, that would be amazing. So uh, leave us a like, leave us a comment, leave us a subscribe. <laughs> leave us a subscribe. Give us I'm a subscribe. I'm an expert at this. <laughs> Callie, where can they find us? Uh, you can find us at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts on. Spotify is my personal favorite. Um, right next to YouTube is actually my personal favorite because I edit the videos and I spend a lot of time on that. And <laughs> <laughs> so we do have a video version of this podcast if you'd like to see our uh, weird faces. Um, it actually, it yeah, makes a lot more I'm sense. Doing right now. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense. Um, and so if you can see what uh, Gibby's doing, leave us five stars. Um, leave us five stars. doing his impression of his high school uh, rendition of the nerd. Um, but, all right. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, this is what we start. subscribe to. If you would like to leave us a request, question or something you want to talk about on the podcast you can use the hashtag buttpod that's hashtag b-a-p-o-d or you can email us if you're into that snail mail of, of the today right i feel the like today. email i feel like email is just now the snail mail of today uh, and then like actual mail is like molasses no it's like pigeons it's like carrier pigeons yeah, yeah that's true are, do carrier pigeons exist anymore? Um, I'm sure that there's like this old guy in like Southern Ireland who's like, yeah, this is my favorite one. I've been they, using it for 30 years. Are they, <laughs> are they still carrying lost babies to people? What? Was that those are, those are, wait, not pelicans, a stork. That's a stork. Is that still happening? I don't, I'm just, I'm just No, they never that. happen. What? You thought that the stork existed and you mistook, mistook it for a carrier pigeon? Uh, yes. I'm I don't know. <laughs> wait, wait. Lost babies? Okay, no 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 yeah. no 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 What? Yeah, like you know that scene in like the live action version of The Grinch Who Stole Christmas? Know it. I watch it every <laughs> night before it, bed. And they open it with like the baby Grinch just like being dropped down on the doorstep and he's like, Meh. 
<laughs> and then like the Whoville mom is like, oh, so cute. I and I like seeing pictures and like drawings and illustrations and stories of those birds carrying like the little sack with the little baby inside miles across the state to some random household um to raise a child i thought that that was how i was conceived so in <laughs> review <laughs> the carrier pigeon that carries mail you confuse that with <laughs> a pigeon that carried a baby which in fact is commonly known as a stork and they're not real <laughs> Exposed. Sharks <laughs> are large, long naked. They they exist. Yeah, I but thought, do they exist to carry babies? Nothing here about finding babies. Oh yeah, a common legend is that storks deliver babies to their mothers instead of mothers giving birth. That is one sentence in the <laughs> entire stork Wikipedia page. Well, anyway, if you want to uh, email us, you can email at brokenartpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> and as always, everybody, please take your broken heart, make, it, make into it into art. art. We'll see you next week. Bye. I think we need to find a new hobby. <laughs> <laughs>